Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, people ask a lot of questions, right? I mean, in life, people ask questions. And kids, kids, at certain ages, that's all they do is ask questions. Usually, little kids, the questions are something along the lines of, why? Why? Why this? Why that? Why does it? What? What? Just all kinds of questions. And then we, at a certain point, we ask other questions. We ask questions that, oh, they, they don't necessarily need answers, but they're questions. You know, something really powerful about questions. There's something really powerful about the right question at the right time. And then there's questions that, like, I don't really need an answer to, but here's a few of them, okay? Questions like, why do we drive on a parkway, park in the driveway? This morning, my alarm went off. Why do we say our alarm went off? It came on. Wrestling with deep questions for my life. Why in the world would anyone say I slept like a baby? They get up every two hours. Well, maybe that's why you slept like a baby. I don't know. Though those aren't really that important. They're just questions. They don't need answers. But there's times in our lives when we ask questions that we really want answers to. Sometimes it gets to the point where we ask God questions. Questions that that He needs to answer, but sometimes we may not be expecting Him to answer. It's really the situation that we're going to talk about this new series that we're launching through a study in the book of Habakkuk. Now, fortunately... You know, verses on the screen. So you would go, because if you have your Bible and you're looking for Habakkuk, he's tough to find. He's in there, but you, you, you'll search for him. There isn't, you know, table of contents in front. You'll find him. But, but Habakkuk's tough to find. It's a little, little, little book, the three, three whole chapters. A little bit about this guy named Habakkuk. He might have been part of a Levitical family, qualified to lead temple worship. Habakkuk lived during one of Judah's most critical moments. His country had fallen from the heights of Josiah's reforms. And if you know Josiah's deal, they had fallen from Josiah's reforms to to depths of violent treatment of its citizens, oppressive measures against the poor, the collapse of their legal system. The world around Judah was at war, with Babylonia rising to power over Assyria and Egypt. The threat of an invasion for the people of Judah was great and added to the turmoil of their nation. We we probably find Habakkuk being written about 12 years removed from Josiah's reforms. I mean, just 12 short years, and all of a sudden, this this, this nation that, that all of a sudden turned from their sinfulness and returned to God, all of a sudden, they find themselves back in the depths of it again. Habakkuk 
is working in a day that is filled with sin. The evidence of that sin is so obvious that he is filled with great concern. And he sees that people are sinning, causing great pain and suffering and injustice. So let's read the first few verses of Habakkuk, and it'll eventually get encouraging, okay? <laughs> but it starts off kind of not so good. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. Now, I understand this first part is not part of the vision. This is, this is part of Habakkuk's complaint. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Here are the questions that, that Habakkuk is asking. How long? Why? How long are you going to allow these people to live like this? How long are you going to allow chaos and injustice to go on? Why must I watch this misery? He's asking those questions. We're often faced with those same questions today. Why aren't the guilty punished? Why? Here's what we understand about what Habakkuk saw in his day that he didn't understand. Violence was everywhere. Evil deeds, destruction, surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. No, no justice in the courts. The wicked outnumber the righteous. It, it sounds a lot like our world. Violence is everywhere. If it isn't in our city or our country, it is in the world. Evil deeds... People think up new ways to do evil, it seems. People conning grandmothers out of money. I mean, how low can you get? Calling someone up and saying their grandson has been arrested and you need to wire money. I mean, these things happen in our world today. People destroying what others have worked hard to build. Surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Don't pull out your phones, because, you know, if you punch Facebook, that's what you're going to see, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's just there. No justice in the courts. We see decisions all the time that make no sense. Guilty people go free. Innocent people are convicted. When we see injustice, child abuse, racism, genocide, it raises questions, just like Habakkuk raised. Why? How long? It's in moments like these that it's easy to pray for Jesus to come back. <laughs> right? I mean, if this is what we are faced with, doesn't it make sense? Lord, just get us out of here. It's like, I've had enough of this world. But that's not what he's asking. And that's not what, that's not what Habakkuk asks. He asks, Lord, when are you going to do something? It's in these moments when people even question the existence of God. 
There are those who believe that God just created everything and then and left. That he has no ability to or willingness to have an impact or influence what's going on in our world. This might have been sort of where Habakkuk was. He's like, how can this be, God? If you are there, why are you not answering? Why are you letting it go on? There are people who believe that God is both good and bad. That everything is God's fault and he does both, good and bad. This isn't the case, but there are people who believe that. But look, God is definitely aware of everything going on in our world today both in our lives individually and everything in the world. And it's hard for us to, to believe that at times. It's hard for us to believe that God is actually interested in us as individuals. It's hard for us to believe that. We, we just think we're so insignificant, and yet that God is so powerful. He is so understanding that he actually is aware of the hairs on our heads. He understands all that. He understands everything about us. We often wonder, like Habakkuk, how long is this crazy stuff going to go on? Why, God, do you allow wickedness and injustice to happen? A simple answer with a serious depth to it is this. Without allowing sin to exist, there would be no free will. People would have no ability to choose to follow God. Without the ability for people to do wrong, there would be no worship of God. Just blind following. Look, that's what makes worship in this context as we were this morning just, just celebrating the goodness and love of God. Is, that's what makes it so powerful is because we understand where we've come from. We understand the depths from which we have fallen and we recognize that God in his loving kindness has forgiven us. He sent his son to die for our sin. He, he brought redemption to us because he loves people. He loves all of us. Getting back to Habakkuk, the times were not good. I mean, it was pretty bad. Habakkuk continually lifted a prayer to God. That God would do something about the unbearable amount of wrong going on in his society. Why don't you come and help God? God, if you hadn't noticed... There are a lot of awful people around doing bad stuff. But you know, it was probably more likely that Habakkuk was complaining not about his people, but about all the nations around him. He was probably more complaining about all the, all the people, the nations, the Babylonians and, and the Assyrians and the Egyptians. He was probably complaining more about them than he was about his own people. Have you ever noticed it's a lot easier to spot other people's sin than our own. How many times have, have I been listening to a message or, or reading the Bible and be like, oh, and the first thought I had was, man, I was so-and-so. It probably, probably is a good idea to look here first. Habakkuk is asking God, when are you going to do something? And then he gets his answer that he isn't really thrilled with. Here it is, verse 5. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something that you wouldn't believe, even if someone told you about it. 
I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand. They scoff at kings and princes and scorn all their fortresses. They simply pile ramps on the earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past like the wind and are gone, but they are deeply guilty for their own strength is their God. God's reply to, to Habakkuk can be summed up this way. God will work. He told Habakkuk, I am doing something in your own day, which sounds wonderful. And his work will be amazing. Look at the nations. Look and be amazed, he says. And at this point, we're like, yes, God, all right, do it. Until he starts to lay out the plan. And he says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. I'm sure if I'm Habakkuk at that moment, I'm, and he does eventually get there. He, Habakkuk gets to that place where he's like, whoa, time out. That does not fit my paradigm. If you were going to correct people like us, and why would you use a cruel and violent people? Look, the, the Babylonians are known for this. If they want your house, they kill you and they take it. If your family complains, they kill them too. If your neighbors bring it to court, they kill your neighbors and the judge and the attorney. If they want your town, they kill everybody and take the town. They want your wife, they kill you. They take your wife, your house, and your town. They want your nation. They slaughter everyone, and they take the nation. They go wherever they want. They do whatever they want. I mean, that's the Babylonians. And look, the real problem in Habakkuk's day wasn't the nations around Judah. It was Judah. God's own people were part of the problem. They were being not what he wanted them to be. They were there to bring righteousness to the earth. They were there to, to, to bring God's plan to the nations around them. But they had forgotten God. Injustice and all kinds of evil were there. So God chose the Babylonians to bring correction on the people of Judah. God's work may frustrate us at times. The things that God does may make us ask why. Habakkuk gets to that later, and I've already alluded to it. In chapter 1, in verse 13, he says, but you are pure. And this is, this is, this is Habakkuk's response to God's answer. He says, but, but you are pure and, and, and cannot stand the sight of evil. Will you wink at their treachery? Should you be silent while the wicked swallow up people more righteous than they? Look, look back and say, look, we are more righteous than they are. How in the world can you use them to do this? Can you imagine a back situation? He is stunned that God would choose the Babylonians to bring correction on his people. That doesn't make any sense. 
How can that be? How could God use a nation that he himself labeled as notorious for their cruelty? The answer is, we must trust God. In the midst of all kinds of injustice in our world today, our responsibility is to pray for God's direction and his help. Speak and act when we have the opportunity, but we must reflect Christ in our culture. We cannot afford to get our marching orders from anyone but God. We, we, we can't get our moral guidance from our culture. We can't expect politicians to give us moral guidance. We can't, ex- we can't get our moral guidance from anywhere but the scriptures. As followers of Jesus, we must view this world through the lens of the scriptures, not the scriptures through the lens of our world. We can witness all kinds of crazy and injustice and wrong thinking. But we must listen to the voice and direction of God. There's all kinds of things I don't understand. There's all kinds of things that I cannot understand why God doesn't correct them. God is gracious. He's loving. He's compassionate. I'm thankful in my life He didn't correct them because I probably deserved to die. I mean, I probably deserved it. I I know I, there's things, it just, I wasn't the best kid. I sinned against God. Like, we all have. Don't look at me stunned like I'm, just admitted something. I realize, you know, we all have. Like the Romans tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, okay? Well, I wasn't about to confess something crazy. I'm just like, okay, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we realize that we didn't deserve his goodness. We didn't deserve his forgiveness. But he gave it to us. But look, it's in times like these. It's in times like Habakkuk's day. We've got to look at other places in the scriptures and understand that God has not forgotten us. Consider Psalm 37. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything to the, to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocent radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Now, we're Americans. We tend to read everything individualistically, okay? We we tend to read that like, yes, I'm going to possess the land. He was talking to a nation. He was talking to the nation of Israel and Judah. But I think we see a principle here. That God is not going to leave 
guilty people unpunished. Now we are grateful that we were guilty people and he didn't leave our guilt unpunished, but he put it on Jesus for us to be forgiven. We recognize that. It changes our perspective a little bit, but we also realize that there's a lot of crazy going on, but, but God is not willing to any perish, but all comes repentance. So he's patient. He is patient with us. He's patient with our nation. He's patient with our people. He's patient with sinners. He's patient with people who, who do crazy. He's patient with them. When sometimes we aren't. Sometimes when we don't have grace, God does. Just like in Habakkuk's day, evil will be punished. But often we will have to wait and see how God does it. In the end, we have to understand that God will take care of us. He, he will take care of you and I. Eventually, everything's made right. But in the midst of it, Look, we don't sit back and do nothing. Like if there's injustice in our world, we have to do something. If there's things that are wrong, we, we must confront evil. It's what the people of God are called to do. When God's given us a message, we deliver that message. But we do it without being angry and filled with rage. That's, that's what Psalms tells us. This is Psalm 37. It says, stop being angry, turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. How many times have you tried to have a conversation with someone? Usually it's because something hasn't gone well for you and you're having a phone call conversation with somebody in customer service or something and things didn't go well and you find yourself losing your ability to stay in control. That's what Psalm 37 is talking about. Don't lose your temper. Turn from your rage. It only leads to harm. When our blood pressure rises and all those things, and we start to be really irate, it's harder to think and communicate as well as we can. Those things hurt us in the long run. Look, when we're faced with a world that we are faced with, Habakkuk was faced with the same kind of world. It raises the questions, why? How long? How long do I have to watch this? How long will the guilty go unpunished? Why are they able to do this? God is not offended by our questions. In fact, he doesn't respond to, to Habakkuk because you shouldn't ask those questions. He gives him the answer. I think we ought to ask those questions of God. We ought to ask him, why, God, why is this? Why? Because he may, in the midst of that, he may say, because I'm waiting for you to step up to do something. Because I'm waiting for you to step into the place where you can have an impact in that place and that thing that's going on in our world. He, he may be waiting for people like you and I to step into that moment and say, why? Because he's going to say, because you're part of the answer. Lunch Buddies is one of those really cool programs, really cool ministry. We want to partner with them, and we want to strengthen that partnership. We, we've been doing it for, like, we've got some Lunch Buddies from Boulevard Campus, and 
you know, sometime in the middle of the last school year, we, we were part of that. And, and so it's just one of those cool things. But that brings hope into a kid's life. And so that's part of the solution to some of the problems that we may be seeing later on in our lives is being in that place where we bring love and mentoring to them earlier. Rather than look at the ills of our society, maybe we are part of the solution to the ills of our society sooner rather than later. And so, and so, so God is wanting us to ask those questions because when we ask those questions, he's actually going to answer us. We may not like his answer, but he is going to answer and he is going to move. And here's, here's one of the incredible things that we're going to see is we, we are going to see, we are going to see God do great things in the lives of the people around us. God is at work in our community. He is at work in our, our nation. He's at work in our world. Like we're seeing all kinds of amazing things happen around the world, right? We're, we're seeing people who are, are followers of Islam come, come to faith on a regular basis. I mean, it's incredible. It's like who would have thought that we, we would see people like that come to faith and, and in some of the great, greatest places where people come to faith or in places where we think, oh, there's no way. But God answers. See, God is actually able to go to places and do things and use people in ways that we, we never thought possible. But if we we'll ask the questions, Lord, why? How long? He might say, until you step up, until you're part of the solution. See, the solution for Habakkuk's day was turn to God. The solution for, for his day was the people of Judah to respond. See, see every time God, the, the people of Judah responded to God, he, he, he relented. He held off. But as soon as they forgot him, they suffered. See, as the followers of Jesus, the first place to start is us. Now, I realize that, you know, we're not Assyrians. Like, we're not, like, killing people off, right? I mean, we're, we're not that bad. We're going to say, oh, we're not that bad, God. That's not the question. He's saying, will you be more like me? Not, not, not better than the next guy. Will you be more like me? Will you become more like I am? See, that's why Ephesians tells us to be imitators of God. Because he wants us to be more like him. He wants us to follow him. And, and all of that, if we, will, if we will do that, if we'll turn our lives, our hearts, and our affections to him, it'll make a difference in the world that's around us. It will. And the picture I hold out for, the picture I hold out for is, is found in Revelation 7, 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people, in language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Look, look, that's what I'm holding out for. Like, that's why we do. That's why we do church. That's why we, 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 we are to be first. That's why we're Mission Campus. That's why we have Boulevard Campus. That's why we have the, the Cowboy Church Heritage Country in Osage County. It's why we're in Oakland. That's why we have a Hispanic church. Why? Because we want to see people from every nation, tribe, and language come to faith. That's why we support missionaries, because we believe that every person ought to hear the message of Jesus. That, that's why we do that. And that's what's going to change our world. Someday Jesus is coming back anyway. 
Okay, this is not our pronoun, but, but until then, make a difference. Until then, like we're going to see all kinds of wicked. But one life at a time, we can make a difference. One life at a time, we, we can have an impact. Oh, there's going to be crazy. It's going to be here until Jesus comes. Are you concerned about injustice in your world? Do you not understand why God doesn't do something? The place to begin is our own lives. Are we holding on to thoughts and ideas that are more cultural than biblical? Are we okay with sin in our own lives? But one other is punished for theirs. Well, God's going to take care of the evil around us. Only we can allow God to change us. It's our choice. He's going to take care of the other stuff. But only we can allow him to work in us. It's our choice. But the prayer is, Lord, help us. Help us, God, to be part of the solution not part of the problem. Lord, help us to become more of who you want us to be in our time and in our day that we can stand for righteousness and justice in our world. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for the, the, the book of Habakkuk and the story and the understanding of who Habakkuk is. Lord, as we journey through this book, as we journey through this message, this vision that was given to Habakkuk, Lord, help us to see the hope that comes. Lord, how, how you're at work in the nation of Judah, but how you're in the work of the people of God today. And Lord, how you're going to work through us and in us. And God, I'm praying that Lord, every one of us would look at our own lives. We would start there. And Lord, from there, we would branch out and we would start to look at our world. And Lord, we would ask the question of you. Lord, what do you want us to do? Why? People get away with things. How long are we going to have to look at it? And Lord, are you wanting to use us to make a difference? Lord, help us. Help us as a people. Help us as, as the people of God. Lord, to, to, to turn our hearts and affections toward you. God, we'd constantly be driven back towards you, come closer to you. Lord, help us. God, that we would see in the end, you do take care of it. You'll take care of some of it in our day. We'll see it. You will raise some up. You will take some down. But you always keep your hand lives of your people. You will do a great thing in us and through us. But I pray this morning, wherever we find ourselves, that we would simply ask, Lord, what do you want to do in me? 
what changes do you want in my life? Lord, how you want our lives individually and collectively to be the answer to the evil we see around us. Lord, thank you for never giving up on us, for loving us, for extending your grace to us, for sending Jesus to die on a cross for us, that we might experience life. Lord, we are so grateful. Lord, have your way in these last few moments. Lord, that all of us respond in the way you want us to respond. present in this place, that you are good. In Jesus' name.